0: If you looked at the title of the sermon today, you may be familiar with this phrase. You have probably heard it sometime before. There are some other phrases that are somewhat similar. In fact, you've probably heard this. Put your money where? Put your money where your mouth is. Right. Put up or? Shut up. up. Okay. Are you in or are you? Out. Yes. Yes. You know, there comes a time when we need to decide what we're going to do and then do it. Peter is at one of those moments. He must decide whether he is in or he is out. There's been a lot of mixed emotions over the past few days. Peter has been willing to die for Christ, but yet that was denied him he swore that he never knew Christ and then he felt guilty of deserting him in the very moments that Jesus needed a friend Peter saw the empty tomb he was even sent an invitation to meet with the Lord in Galilee and he saw Jesus appear in the locked room. And after all of that, Peter decided that it was time to cut bait. And he decided to go back to his old life of fishing. Now, some of the others tagged along with him and they went out and they fished all night and didn't have any luck. That was until morning came when Somebody on the shore called to him and said, hey, have you caught any fish? And they looked at him and said, nothing but nets. He says, just throw it out on the other side of the boat. You'll catch a few. And I'm sure Peter was going, what? But they did, and they caught a miraculous catch. And in those moments, Peter's recognition of who it was on the shore He once again threw himself into the sea in order to go and meet Jesus. Jesus had a hot meal waiting for them right there on shore. And we're going to pick up the story right here in John 21. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to it, we're going to to make our way through the end of this chapter. John 21, starting at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you... You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, do you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And a third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now this is a familiar story to those of you who have been in church for any length of time at all. And we see this as that that three-time call to Peter by his proper legal name and we know that that mirrors the the threefold predicted denial that Peter had just a few days before yet Jesus and Peter in these moments are really not saying the same thing it's almost like two ships passing in the night and we we kind of lose that in English because you see Jesus actually asks two different questions but Peter said the same thing every time he responded and it's a subtlety in that word love in English we use that word love to mean a whole bunch of things right i mean I love pizza, and I love puppies. I love music, and I love my mom, and I love jelly, and I love joy, but I can tell you I don't love them all the same. Yes? In Greek, there are actually four different words that we translate by that one word, love. There is In the verbal form, agapao, we talk about it mostly in the noun form, agape, right? That's that selfless, for the good of the other person kind of love. We talk about that a good bit. That's all over the scripture. And then there's phileo. You remember that little town that's over in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia? It's the city of brotherly love. Phileo is that idea of, of band of brothers. It's what happens when a bunch of recruits join one of our military forces, and over the next 13 weeks, they break down the individual, they form the group, and that group forms a bond that many of them keep all of their lifetime. We're in this together. We're a team Right? That's phileo. There's another you don't hear very much of, um, storge. Storge is clan. Storge is that you and I are from the same gene pool. And we are brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, parents. Yes, it's that idea of clan. And you know what goes along with the idea of clan? There are some people in your family that you don't like. You don't have to tell me who they are cuz your family's not that much different from mine. But you know what? Something happens and I'm right there. They get in trouble, somebody starts picking on them, they've picked a bigger fight than they know. Yes? Storge is that family Bond. Now, it actually only appears in Scripture in, a, in one spot. It's in Romans 12. In fact, it's not in Scripture by itself at all. It is philostorge. It's a combination of phileo and storge at the same time. It's in uh, Romans 12.10, and it's that, that idea of, of being super connected, being dependent upon each other. There is one other word in Greek for love. It's the word eros. It does not appear in Scripture at all. Eros, you think about it, it's where we get the word erotic or erotica from. It's that self-focused, seeking personal satisfaction, infatuation, comes into this. It's the, I love you because, I'll love you if you do, kind of thing. And um, that's not in Scripture at all. And you see, twice Jesus asked the question, Peter, do you agape me? Now, the NIV uh, 1984 tried to bring that out by putting that word truly in before the word love. Most of the English translations just say, Do you love me? And it just obscures what's going on. He's saying, Peter, do you have an unconditional devotion? Are you fully devoted to me? Are you in? And you see, Peter answers with a different word. I highlighted it there in blue just so you can see the difference. He answers with the word phileo. He says, I got strong feelings for you. You're my bro. We've been in this together. In fact, it carries the feeling like you know that I like you a lot. But he's avoiding what Jesus is asking. So Jesus asks again, Are you fully devoted, committed to me? And he says, I got strong feelings for you, Lord. But the third time, Jesus actually uses Peter's word and he says, In effect, Peter. Do do you even like me? Do do you really have a strong feeling for me? See, that's why Peter's cut to the quick. Cuz Jesus is calling him out and calling him directly You know I have feelings for you, Lord. But he essentially says the same thing he's done before. Jesus follows each one of those questions with an opportunity. You can call it a command, or you can say, I want you back, Peter. Feed my sheep. I've got got work for you to do. In other words, it's a fish or cut bait moment. What's it going to be, Peter? Do you really want that old life? Has the past three years meant nothing to you? Are you going to give up that easily? You know, it's interesting to me what Jesus does not do when you stop and you look at it and you examine it. Jesus doesn't coddle Peter at all. He doesn't go and pat him on the back and say, there, 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 it's okay, everything's all right. There's there's no denial of the sin that took place. He just simply asks, are you in or out? I have a job for you to do, Peter. Peter. Are you willing to do it? I know what happened, but are you going to remain faithful? You called me Lord. I even like your confession. And you know what? Millions of people are going to quote you for centuries to come. But am I Lord today? Here on this beach? Are you going to go fishing for men or are you going to cut bait? Friends, have you ever had a time when you were on the brink of quitting, of just tossing in the towel? My first year of seminary, was really hard on me. It had been 20 years since I'd been in college. I'd been out in the workaday world. Not only that, I'd worked my way up to be an executive-type supervisor within that company. And to go back to being a student was a bit of a jolt. It was difficult. I didn't know how to write a term paper. I'd forgotten all that stuff. I didn't know how to form a footnote or build a bibliography. And to be quite honest with you, I was a very poor reader. It had been 20 years since I had taken Greek. And I was there at Emmanuel doing it again and failing again. And I was utterly discouraged. And I was ready to quit before that first semester was over. I clearly remember the day that the frustration hit me and I was walking the quarter mile from the classroom building over to the student housing there with tears running down my face walking back to the apartment saying I'm I'm done I just I just can't do this and I know my formal employer, they'll hire me back. It won't be at the same position, but I know they'll hire me back because I've already made some overtures. And I was there walking back trying to figure out how to tell Joy that I was cutting bait. There's only one reason why I didn't. You can call it providence. I think it was. But the thought occurred to me that there were people in Georgia and in Virginia and some in Tennessee that were behind me and praying for me and believed in me. And the thought occurred to me, Eric, don't you think you can have a little bit of belief in yourself? There were people who were making sacrifices, who were supporting us financially so that we could actually go. And I was there ignoring the fact that there was a cloud of saints that were sitting in the stands cheering me on and praying for me regularly. And friends... It was their faith that kept me going. By the way, you get to a heart-heart with a, one of our missionaries, and you get to sit down, and all the niceties go away, and they start showing you your their heart, they're going to say the same thing. It's your prayers that keep them going. I believe something similar is going on right here with Jesus and Peter, for in these moments, it's the faith of Jesus that's keeping Peter going when he is ready to quit. Did you hear me say a few weeks ago, um, if God puts you to it, He'll see you through it? I told you those were the words from Buddy Kreger, the, the preacher at the church in Lilburn that helped make it possible for me to get through seminary. That's the first thing he said to me, and I kept those words running through my head. If God puts you to it, he'll see you through it. It means that he won't ask you to do a task or an assignment without equipping you to complete that task. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. In fact, it's not going to be easy for Peter. Jesus keeps talking. He says this, I tell you the truth, when you were younger... You dressed yourself and you went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. John writes, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that Peter would glorify God. And then Jesus said to him, follow me. Think about this. Think about what's going on here. Peter, you are going to die for my sake. Follow me. Lay down your life, Peter. Follow me. There's a cross in your future, Peter. Follow me. It's going to be a glorious death. Follow me. That's, that's a really convincing sales pitch, isn't it? Well, you see, my friends, my spiritual siblings, family, when Jesus calls us, He calls us to come and die. To die to sin, to die to self, to die to pride, to profession, to possessions, to prestige to the ways of this world. To die to the way society, to the way our culture tells us that we must live and live the way God intends for us to live. Gospel of Mark, many scholars agree that it's probably the first gospel that was written that Matthew and Luke expanded upon the work that Mark did and added more details and some more clarity to some of the things that Mark wrote. It's also pretty widely thought that Mark was written from the perspective of the way Peter preached. And that it's very possible that Mark's telling of the gospel is the way Peter would tell the gospel. Which is, which is interesting, especially when you read Mark eight thirty four, and you start thinking about this is the way Peter probably preached. And Mark records there Jesus saying, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Is that not what he was telling Peter? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. And to me, if I think about this being what Peter Preach To me, it just, it makes it more powerful because Peter actually lived it before he preached it. John records it too over in John 12, 25. He says there, uh, the man who loves his life will lose it while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. By the word, the, the word for hate is miseo. Um It usually uh, implies a, an act of ill will or conduct against something. A, a persecuting spirit could be there. It's, it's really kind of the opposite. Some people will look at it as the opposite of agape, of total caring and always for that to be withdrawing completely. Hates his life. Luke records it as well. Luke 14, we get this. Whenever a man comes to me, Jesus speaking, and does not hate, same word, father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And here that word meseo was used in a comparative mode, right? You have to love me and follow me more than the most intimate relationships you have on earth. Jesus has to matter more than anything in this world. And you know what? To deny family really is not my hang-up. Where my hang-up is is this phrase right here where he says, even life itself must be valued Jesus more. I don't know about you, but I have a huge... Self-preservation streak. And I don't like the thought of purposefully putting myself in harm's way. But we must value Jesus more than life itself. Friends, we cannot live for ourselves and for our own selfish desires and follow Christ. We must choose. And quite honestly, this is the hang-up of modern Americans. Modern Americans who value freedom from the consequences of premarital relationships. Who value uh, the ability to engage in erotic pleasure at will to indulge in our base desires. Freedom from responsibility to family, both in parenting children and in taking care of our elderly parents. And freedom from the consequences of indulging whatever whim happens to hit us. Freedom from the self-limiting nature of God's law. Freedom from submitting to the Lord's rightful rule over our lives. But Eric, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Guess what? So do I. Yet I have decided to follow Jesus God has given you the right to choose friends I am not ever going to take that right away from you and choose you must go ahead Make the choice for your life. Just don't fool yourself into thinking that God is obligated to keep a covenant that you have broken. You want to be master of your own fate? God will honor that decision. And all of us will receive the destiny that we live for. I hope by this point you realize that Jesus asked the same thing of all of us that he was asking of Peter. No more and no less. Now he may pacify us on on some occasion, yet what he calls us to is the same. Come and die. When we can give up everything in this world, including our own self pity, shame, and guilt over failing Christ, give up our very self, when we can do that, friend, we're ready to be used in a mighty way by God. It's a point of surrender, it's a point of submission. No ifs, ands, or buts. Verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You see, friend, when God calls us, it's between him and us. Our relationship is new, unique. No one shares that. It's just like your relationship with your parents. You have who have siblings, you have different relationships with both of your parents. Even though you love them the same they love you the same. Essentially, Jesus is saying to Peter, John is none of your business. Follow me. Here's the principle. God is God and we are not. He sets the term. He pays the price through the blood of Christ on the cross. He decided to hold us not guilty. Our choice is do we accept that and make him Lord of our life? giving him undisputed possession of everything we are. Our assignments may be unique as well, but the mission is still going to be the same. He has formed me to preach and to teach. I can do that because I've trained for it. I have a heart for it. The Spirit helps me do it. If Eric's on his own, Eric's a pretty bad speaker. But it's the Spirit that does that. He may not call you to do what I am doing, but he still calls you to be on mission. You are called to influence where you are and to affect others for eternity. To be a witness who influences especially when God puts people in your path that need to know about Christ. Do you remember Moses? You remember Moses um fish or cut bait moment. Do you remember do you remember that? Do you remember when that was? He's out in the desert and he's tending to sheep and all of a sudden he looks over and he sees something. What what was it he saw? That burning Bush that was on fire and not consumed. Yes? That's Exodus 3 and 4 if you want to make a note of it in your notes. There at the bush as the Lord calls to him. Moses says, who who am I to do this task to? To go and talk to Pharaoh. And what does the Lord say? He says, I will be with you. And then Moses says, well, suppose the people question the authority from which I come from. Who am I going to tell them sent me? And he said, you tell them I am, that I am sent you. And he says, well, well what if they don't believe me? And the Lord said, what have you got in your hand there, Moses? He goes, this whole thing? It's, it's just a stick, a staff? And God said, Put that staff on the ground. Snake! Pick it up. It's a stick again. God said, with that staff, you will do my wonders. And Moses gets into that, yeah, but, yeah, but, right? And he says, but, Lord, I can't speak publicly, Let someone else do it. You remember that story? Well, right here on the beach, I think Peter is having a Moses moment. Peter's at a crisis of belief, not in a a, a crisis in his belief in God, but a belief in himself. And when Peter asked Jesus, well, what about John? I believe he may be asking or trying to say, maybe John would be a better choice. Just like Moses did when when he was called. Yet, Moses and Deborah and King David and Esther and Jesus and Peter... We're all born. What was what was that phrase? Malachi, uh, Mordecai? Mordecai said to Esther, what was that phrase? Maybe you were born for such a time as this. Friends, you were born for such a time as this. Because you see, when God calls us to do something, he wants us. Us for that task. Peter's call was to preach and to lead. John's call was to write, which he did very creatively. Just read his gospel and compare it to the other two, and you can just see his creativity coming out. In fact, in verse 24, John writes this. He says, This is the disciple who testifies to these things and wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. And just get this picture, this metaphor. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That's his talent. What's your talent? What is your spiritual giftedness? What is God calling you to do? Are you going to do it? What's your assignment? Oh, and by the way, if it feels pretty daunting, that's probably God calling you. Because he calls you to a God-sized task. So you learn what it is to depend on him. As we come down and come to a close, I want you to pull that connection card back out. And and look at the back. A couple of quick and easy things that you can do as simple steps that are right there. Uh, memorize Mark 8, 34, and 35. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's that passage. You willing to do that? Mark it here. Write it on your bulletin so you can take it with you. Um, Also, read Acts 4, 1 through 22. We're going to pick up with Peter again next week, and we're going going to read a little bit about his boldness in that chapter. If you will read that chapter it will help prepare you for next week if you're going to do that mark it here and write that on your bulletin um, if you want some more information there on the left side about what it means to be a Christian about church membership um, just who are we as a church as a people Uh. Mark that over on the right side. You have a prayer request. You have something that you you want us to be praying for. You can write that down at the bottom. We're going to drop these in the offering bags as they're passed here in just a minute. And again, first-time visitors, if you want to put your card in the box out there and pick up a gift, please do that. But again, I ask, what is God calling you to do? Answer that assignment and step up because it's time to fish or cut bait. Father God, you know that we need to be challenged and we know that your love is complete And we thank you, Lord, that you have made us people that want to be involved and that you give us ways that we can be involved in your kingdom. And we pray, Father, that you will help us to be the men and women that you have called us to be, that we will be on task And that when you put someone in our path that needs to hear of your good news, we'll be ready and willing to step up and to speak. And Father, we thank you for the fact that the blood of the cross still changes lives. Move our hearts, Lord, towards you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.